Three, two, one. Oh my goodness, everybody. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome back to the film room here on 88.9 The Bridge. Uh, my my name is Andrew Pearson, and I am your host for this show, The Film Room. And this is the show where we break down all of your favorite NFL players and stars how exactly they're getting the production that they are getting, whether they're actually good or not, and just go as in-depth as we possibly can and look at the film instead of just headlines and, I don't know, headlines and and whatever, whoever lit up the stat sheet that week, that is what we'll say. Uh, this, this is a show where I talk about less relevant players than, than, you know, ESPN and NFL Network want to give. You know, I, I don't rant about Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and and Cowboy of the Week. I want to talk about other players who are playing excellent who we aren't talking about enough. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little frustrated today, uh, even though I should be really happy. Uh, this is actually my third time recording this. I've been interrupted like two times already. And I'm really hoping I'm not again because this show is got an extra 30 minutes this week. And I'm really, really happy about that. Uh, so if, normally we usually do this show from around 10, 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock more or less. Today we're doing it from 9 to 10.30. And I'm I'm so 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 happy because now I can get to everything I want to get to. And if you if you've been listening to this show since uh, day one, which is a month ago, can you believe that we're all, I mean we're already a month into this show? How? And uh, I'm so excited. Uh, I'm really happy that the show stuck around and. Uh, I've had other people listen to my stuff, and they say, hey, it's pretty good, it's pretty unique and uh, on this radio station, and so um, I'm really happy that I get to do this show and just share my knowledge with all of you. My goal for this show is to make us all smarter and more appreciative football fans for the big guys that we see on Sundays. Now, this week is a little bit different. We're not doing an NFL player this week. We are doing a college football player this week. And uh, I couldn't be more excited to say that because, uh, you know, I like college football. I don't love it. Uh, I only really like it when LSU's playing, and I, I'm a huge LSU fan. Uh, so I think, we, I think we'll end the day uh, talking about college football, if we can. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to get to. Today we are talking about Ed Rusher, Chase Young out of Ohio State. You might have heard about this guy. Uh, you know, there are a whole bunch of people saying, hey, this guy's a top five pick. Now, you may hear that and you may think to yourself, hey, why is he a, a top five pick? Well, I'll tell you. Um, but let me go into his bio first. Chase Young is a junior, is a junior, um, edge rusher out of Ohio State this year um, and after coming off a four sack game against Wisconsin this week I feel that it's fi finally time to make an analysis 
of a guy who actually inspired me to create this show. Uh, it, it is true. I watched... I So, a few weeks ago, I was watching Ohio State, Michigan State, and I just looked on, on the web, say... Said, said to myself, hey, who are the top draft prospects on this Ohio State team? Because I'm sure there's going to be a couple. And they said, oh, look for Chase Young. He's really good. So I, I was watching number two on, on the D-line that day, and oh my goodness, he blew up every single passing play. He, he was around the quarterback on almost every snap. And that, and from that day forward, I said, I said to myself, I want to break down film on the radio. Because... First of all, why not? And second of all, this is really fun. So that's enough of that. We're gonna we're still talking about Chase Young. And now here are four here are like five main points that I use to evaluate edge rushers in both college football and the NFL. Uh these you can refer to these as kind of like the five tools of pass rushing, kind of like the five tools of baseball. Uh, but I personally don't refer to it that way. Uh, but here, there, to me, there's a five really important points that an edge rusher should hopefully have. Now, a lot of the now a lot of guys have at least two or three. Um, for example, you have your explosiveness. And explosiveness is how fast are you off the first step of of the rush. For example, you watch Von Miller, and he just explodes past the the offensive lineman and just runs around him pretty much and gets an easy sack. And uh, that would be a great example of explosiveness. Then you have your technique. So how well do you place your hands? Uh, Can you convert speed to power like Khalil Mack? And a speed to power move is when you you start your rush like you're trying to speed rush around the offensive tackle, and then you convert that speed into momentum into the offensive tackle's chest to try and push him as far back into the pocket as possible, and then you use your hands to try and get around them. And that's uh, that's that's really, really good if you can do that. That's pretty much Khalil Mack's signature move. Now... Also, can you convert power to speed like Shaq Barrett for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year who's done a really good job of that? And what that is is you run directly to the to the offensive tackle, uh, make it appear as if you're trying to bull rush him direct bull rush him directly into the quarterback. And then you sidestep and then you go around the offensive tackle. And also can 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 you just simply uh, maneuver your way. Can you manipulate the hands of that offensive lineman who's trying to block you? Can you do all of that? Uh, third is bend, and you. This is kind of a football term that's always been tossed around, and every time I toss it around, people just don't seem to get it. So let me. So let me explain to you what that is. So it bend is how low to the ground can that edge rusher get and still recover? For example, um, let's take Miles Garrett, edge rusher for the Cleveland Browns, for example, who I think is an athletic freak. That guy can pretty much get as low as possible 
and get as much leverage as possible and still use his quads and the rest of his legs and still get up. And what that allows you to do is is take advantage of a concept of a concept in football, especially in the trenches that the lowest man wins. And I'm sure you've heard this a lot from from commentators around the league. And that basically means you the lower person uh, on a one-on-one between an offensive offensive lineman and a defensive lineman, whoever gets as low as possible has the most leverage. And the more leverage you have, the better you the more leverage you have, the better you are at winning the rep. So the lower an offensive tackle gets, the more easily he can contain the the defensive lineman and vice versa. If a defensive lineman gets really low, it's easier for him to get around the offensive lineman to get to the quarterback. And um, can you do can you do that? Can you give as as the le- least amount of space possible for the offensive lineman to get his hands around you? Yes or no? That that's what bend means. And then fourth is power. Uh, how how easily can you push an offensive lineman into into the quarterback? And uh, yeah, and fifth is arm length. Now we don't. It's not really relevant for Chase Young at the moment because we just don't have his arm length right now. We, we're gonna have to wait till the combine, and uh, so we 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 don't know his arm length yet. But point is, longer arms are better. So uh, you, you'll see this with the Bosa brothers uh, in the NFL. When they go up against longer offensive tackles, they usually get get destroyed because they they they're outreached. And when you have longer arms, you can more easily manipulate the other arms of the offensive lineman. And uh, yeah, that that's pretty much it. Also, uh, longer arms help you help you with one arm stab, stab stab moves which is pretty much you um, you jab your hand in the middle of your speed rush into the offensive tackle's chest and then you try and get around him that way a great example of that would be Khalil Mack and especially Bradley Chubb for the Broncos they do that really well so why don't let we're going to get into some plays here but uh, somebody's knocking on my door right now so I will be back in just a few minutes. This is Megan Cockleball, Program Director here at KMH, here to tell you that we are back. Tune in anytime to hear students' shows, sports broadcasting, and great music. Only here on 88.9 The Bridge. All right, folks, we are back. So let's get into, uh, again, just to recap, this is the film room. If you are just joining us, uh, we break down your favorite uh, NFL and general college, as well as college football players, how they're doing well, what techniques do they use, and just make us all better, more appreciative, and smarter football fans. Uh, we were just talking about Chase Young out of Ohio State, an, a really amazing ed- edge rusher. Um, I, I went over my my general five points that I use to grade uh, edge rushers. And I'm really happy that I did I did that because 
you know, people keep knocking on my door saying, hey, are, are, you, are you done yet? So uh, this show is an hour and a half long. So no, I'm not done. <laughs> but let's get into the first play uh, as, as usual. Uh, this one was against Cincinnati in, I think, week two. And let me line it up here for myself. Um, it's a great power to speed to power move. And he, he just does a really great job of manipulating the offensive tackles, his hands tries to get him out of the way. Uh, he, he had good technique to put all of his body weight into one shoulder of the offensive tackle. And that's called rushing half a man. And what that is, is you is when the edge rusher puts all of his weight from his rush into one shoulder of the offensive tackle. So pretty much, um, just imagine you're running at somebody, and they're and they're sidestepping sidestepping to their left, and you have to get past them. You put all your weight into their inside shoulder, or their outside shoulder, excuse me. And so pretty much they have to put all of their strength onto one side. That makes them unbalanced, and that makes them easier to manipulate. And so uh, he Chase Young does a great job at getting low while, while he's doing this. And he gives, he kind of, he kind of, he kind of flips his hips out outside. So he's kind of like running at the offensive tackle sideways. That mean that gives less space for the offensive tackle to put hand put his hands around Chase Young to try and stop him. So that's really good awareness on that play as well. And as you and he had nice bend uh, under the offensive tackle to uh, um, to get as low as possible and still able to get up on his own. Now that, that was a really good show right there. I really like that rush. Uh, I, don't, I don't. I think he got the sack. I'm not sure. Uh, let's go to the second play. This is this is against Cincinnati again. On uh, what what is it? It's third and four on the Ohio State 37. 13 minutes and 45 seconds left to go in the second quarter against Cincinnati. And if you go back and watch this play, I mean, my goodness. He just has an elite first step off the ball. Immediately once the ball is snapped, he's already around the offensive tackles' his hips. That's not normal. That is, he looked like Von Miller on that, on that play. He just got out. He got there so incredibly quick. He basic he basically uh, had a performed a pure speed rush on that play, and he just got around the offensive tackle. Uh, the he the the offensive tackle did eventually uh, barely place his hands on him, but it it really wasn't enough. He had no no place to put his hands. Um, just another really, really great play from Chase Young and something that I think people should be really excited about because uh, it, it looks like he's growing he, and he's just playing great. I forgot to mention, this, this dude is 6'5", 266. I mean, he is a big dude. 
And uh, yeah, I'm I'm really he's showing a lot of promise on these plays. Uh, let's go to the Michigan State game from a couple of weeks ago. This is third and seven on the Ohio State 47 yard line. Uh, let let me pull it up here on my iPad. And he's actually lined up as an interior defensive lineman on this play. Uh, that's not that's very rare. Uh, Chase Young is an edge rusher, so he he's normally not matched up on guards. He's almost always matched up on offensive tackles. But they lined him up against a guard this week or on on this particular play. And you watch this play, and he just absolutely sidesteps around the guard. Links his hands to his feet, which which that means when one when he moves one hand, he's also moving the same foot on that on that particular side of the hand. For example, he if he if he moves his right hand to go and swipe at the offensive guard's hands, he's also sidestepping with his right foot to try and get and gain space laterally. And what that allows him to do is pretty much just get by almost untouched from the guard. And he just gets into the backfield so incredibly quickly and forces a pressure and a throwaway. So another another good one. Uh, let's go to later in that game. This is second and four on the Michigan State 40. Uh, three, three minutes left in the third quarter. Uh, allow me to pull it up here. All right. And I really liked, I really, really love this play because again, he shows another elite first step off the ball. He looked, he looked exactly like Von Miller on this play again. He is my comparison for Chase Young because the offensive tackle, he had no shot. He had absolutely no shot at all. Uh, he he barely even put his hands on him. He and Chase Young was already around his hips, and he was already in the backfield pressuring the quarterback. Just another great play from him. Uh, decent bend on that play as well. That's when you get again. That's when you get as low as possible, and you're still able to pick yourself back up uh, with your lower body strength. Again, a great example of that would be Miles Garrett for the. Cleveland Browns, and uh, what other notes to have for this play? Uh, he did have to rely on his teammates to get the sack on this play uh, because uh, the rest of his team rallied around to the quarterback. Uh, that's just how well Ohio State is coached. But that play does not happen without Chase Young getting into the backfield. Because he will affect the game one way or another, and he is just an absolutely terrifying presence for the opposing offensive line. All right, let's go into the fifth play. Uh, this is third and fifteen on the Michigan State forty-eight. Nine fifteen left in the game, uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, seven. Okay, here we go. This one was probably one of my one of my one of my favorite snaps of his. He he gets off the ball again with an elite jump. And to try and account for this, Michigan State is blocking Chase Young with both the offensive tackle 
as well as the running back to just try and attempt to slow him down. But he he has another great power to speed move. Uh, what that is is when the edge rusher is running is running directly to the offensive tackle to try and push him back as far as possible, and then at the last minute jumping to uh, sidestepping to get around the offensive tackle and try and use the rest of the, try and go the rest of the way and use a speed rush. And it works here against the offensive tackle. He pretty much gets around him just fine. He finishes that that lineman with a one-arm stab move. So at the end of that power to speed move, he's literally just jabbing his hand into the chest of the offensive tackle and he's trying to get to the quarterback. Now, even the running back gets into it to try and chip him on this play and he still almost sacked the quarterback. So that's two players that were on him. You pretty much had were t- was taking them both on with one arm and he still almost sacked the quarterback. This dude is ridiculous. That is a great show of power and a great show of technique. He's he's absolutely incredible. Uh, we let's go to the last two plays. This these two plays are are two of his sacks against uh, Wisconsin last week. Uh, I only I only took two because uh, first of all I was I thought I was going to be short on time, but second of all, um, these are these are two really good looking sacks that I I really enjoyed watching. So let me pull them up. Uh. We'll take the first one. So the first one was a third and 16 on the on the Wisconsin 39, uh, 12 minutes left in the second quarter. And uh, let me pull it up. All right. So Chase Young pretty much just blows off the ball once again. And because this Wisconsin line is coached, because they face Chase Young, they face Chase Young for the past two years now. They know about his dangerousness off the speed rush, so the offensive tackle is trying to get as far wide as possible off the snap to try and prevent that speed rush and to cut off that angle that Chase Young normally takes. And what happens? What happens here is. Instead of Chase Young just getting just accepting it and getting stonewalled, he does not do that. He converts that speed into power. So instead of after gaining all that momentum off the speed rush, he flips his hips back inside towards the offensive tackle, and he drives as far as far as possible into that offensive tackle's chest, and he pushes him back super far. And then once he's done that. He finishes with his hands by swiping away uh, the arms of the offensive tackle for Wisconsin and get, gets inside him, inside that huge lane that the offensive tackle allowed while just bailing out to get to that speed rush. There's a huge gap between the tackle and the rest of the O-line, and in between that lane is the quarterback. And so Chase Young gets into that lane with pretty much one really clean, um, one really clean, clean swim move, which is basically where he swats away the offensive lineman's hands and gets around him, and just a beautiful sack. Great display of power, 
awareness and technique, as well as just general athleticism. Uh, let's get into the final play here. Uh, this is first and 10 on the Ohio State 19. Uh, 11.50 left in the game. Uh, this is 2.20 left in the video. So I've got a video here on on my iPad. Just put just so I can pull up all the plays relatively cleanly. Sorry, talking is hard, guys. I can only talk for so long without getting water. But uh, let's put this. All right, come on, load up here. Come on. All right, it doesn't seem to want to do it. It's being really, really annoying. Uh, is this the play? Yeah, this is the play. Okay. I just marked it. I just marked it down wrong for myself. But uh, once again, first and ten on the Ohio State 19, 19 yard line. Uh, the with eleven with well no a minute left to go in the third. Another another elite first step. Just gen just general explosiveness to the edge is kind of it's kind of his thing. And just the offensive tackle was just not ready for it at all. He just gets past him so cleanly. And um, just great, great awareness, great technique, and just textbook. Forced a fumble on the play, uh, ripped it out of the quarterback's hands, and that capped off just another, um, just an amazing performance from this young man. He is... He is really good. Uh, let's get into the conclusion. Um, yeah, let's conclude here. Um, Ohio Chase Young uh, is is a prospect that I see as an extremely valuable pick inside the top five. Not only does he have all the all the move all the moves an edge rusher would ever need which would be power, speed, a combination of the two, as well as just a pure bull rush. He, he can do it all. He really can. He can do it all off the edge. And he looks like Von Miller every single play. He is, he is astonishingly good. I, I did not expect all of this when going into his tape. What I expected was, oh, a bit of an overhyped prospect that can get around to the edge just fine. He, he'll he be okay in the NFL. No. No. Th what this guy is doing, it's not normal. You take, okay, so if you go to one of his snaps and you feel, and you go from the frames where the ball is in the center's hands to the ball in the quarterback's hands, you will see Chase Young a full foot ahead of everybody else on his defensive line. That is how fast he is off of the snap. Folks, that's not normal. That is not normal at all. That is special. He's also a really big dude, so he he can kind of bully smaller offensive linemen, as well as he has great bend, 
so he can maneuver his way around the bigger offensive lineman as well. And he, he shows great technique. He shows great bend. He shows great explosiveness. He shows good hip flexibility. Uh, this guy pretty much has has it all. I don't know what his wingspan is yet, but the, if he has if he has relatively long arms, like if he has thirty five plus inch arms, uh, this guy's probably the best edge rushing prospect I since possibly Aaron Donald or Khalil Mack. That's how good he really is. I my comparison for him is Von Miller, just because of how elite his first step is. And how he has all of the pass rushing moves in the book. That is my comparison for him. I really do think that's his four. This guy could be a Hall of Famer. I'm not joking. This guy is great. Uh, he he. I don't think he gets out of the top five. Honestly, uh, if the Dolphins are picking first, or if or if it's the Bengals or the Redskins, I think they all realistically take this guy. This guy is too good. Not to take. Um, and Dolphins particularly, uh, they might go on a two-year tank so for Trevor Lawrence, so you never know. They might just go best player available, and I think the best, number one player on my board is Chase Young. So, there we go, guys. That is all for, um, that is all for this player breakdown in particular. Um, I would normally go to break here, but... We got an extra hour. We got we got an extra we got an extra thirty minutes, man. We got another hour to do. So, uh, let's go into the next topic now. And that next topic is Chicago. The Chicago Bears are in deep, deep trouble. And I really do mean that. They are in some deep stuff, man. So here's a little context. So Chicago has lost three games, uh, three three their last three games to the Oakland Raiders, New Orleans Saints, and Los Angeles Chargers. Freaking Chargers, man! And an Oakland defense that's dead. I mean, come on. Uh, we're especially highlighting last week where they lost seventeen to sixteen to the Chargers. Uh, let's talk about that game for a second. Uh, if you only watch the highlights, Mitchell Trubisky looked amazing. Here's the problem, though. Those were his only okay throws of the day. He was inaccurate. He killed drives. He just looked lost out there. And it's coming to a realization that Trubisky is not the guy in Chicago. And it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. Strabisky is just not the guy in Chicago. He is still making rookie mistakes in his third year in the league. That is unacceptable. All right? He is still staring down his first read. So his primary receiver that the that the play is supposed to go to, he only looks at that receiver. And when that that route isn't open, he shuts down. He doesn't go to his second, his third, his fourth, even his fifth read. No, he doesn't do that. He just looks at the first first guy. If that's not open, he'll either try and fit it into him or he'll try to run. 
That's it. He doesn't progress through his reads. He can't do it. He just hasn't shown the ability to do it, which makes me really sad because sometimes he actually will wow you with a couple of throws, and it just, it, it's not there with Trubisky. Like, last week was the first game in a long time where he actually had, like, a couple of wow throws. And a wow throw is, I mean, we we all know when we see it. It's it's an eye test thing. It's a, a super impressive throw into close coverage or whatever you want to make it. And it's not happening with Trubisky. And yesterday, was the other day, was the only time he had like one or two really impressive throws because the fans will see, oh, he threw a deep out to Taylor Gabriel. Wow, that's really good. But then you watch it closely, Taylor Gabriel was open by like 8 to 10 yards. The next closest defender was like around 7 to 10 yards away from him. That's folks, that's not that's not an amazing read by Trubisky and it's not a spectacular throw. That's good good scheme. That is a good play call by head coach Matt Nagy. And I I actually really like head coach Matt Nagy. Uh I th- I think his I do think his decision to run down the clock at the end of the game instead of just try and get more more better yardage for his kicker. I do think that was a little questionable. That was weird. But uh, and and I think it's clock magic, clock management kind of sucks. But I'm gonna be honest with you, he's a good coordinator. He's he can get people, he can scheme people open, he can call a good game. The you the reason Bears fans are so angry at the play calling is because Matt Nagy has to completely change the play calling just for Trubisky. If you if you rewatch the games that they played with Chase Daniel. Backup quarterback for the Chicago Bears. If you go back and rewatch and rewatch those games, you'll notice that Matt Nagy is not holding back with Chase Daniel at all. All right, he's calling complex calls, and while Chase Daniel is by no means a superstar, and is and does he really count as a starting quarterback? He was performing better. Mitchell Trubisky and I think it's time to put Trubisky on the bench for Chase Daniel because the the offense worked better under Daniel and they have better weapons the weapons that they do have are better with Chase Daniel for example I feel so bad for Allen Robinson wide receiver for the Chicago Bears I feel so, so bad for him. Because you watch him. You watch him specifically. This dude gets open with his route running. This dude has great hands. He's a good leader. He's a quiet guy. He's he's actually pretty fast. He's a tall dude. He's like 6'2". Allen Robinson is a number one receiver. And in fact... He's, he, I don't think he's played with a good quarterback since high school, man. Like, I, I can't. I don't particularly remember where where he went to college, but wherever it was, it wasn't with an elite dude. Okay. 
and I think he went to Miami, something like that. But point is, Allen Robinson, when he first came to the league, he was in Jacksonville, where he had Mr. Blake Bortles, and that sucked for him. And now he's with Mitch Trubisky and Chase Daniel. I mean, come on, give this kid a break. Well, he's not a kid. He's like 20, 26, 20, 27, something like that. The point is, this dude's the number one receiver, and he's been stuck with crappy quarterback play. And it's not like the Bears don't have weapons. Don't tell me the Bears don't have weapons. David Montgomery was a played very, very well last week. They gave him t- like 27 touches. He went for over 100 yards and a touchdown. He looked good. He looked good. Rook, he was rookie out of um, Iowa Iowa State, I believe. Yes, Iowa State. That sounds right. And uh, don't forget Tariq Cohen either. Tariq Cohen is a, just a general weapon on the offense. He He's so fast and incredibly quick and agile in short-ranged areas that you, you just put the ball in his hands, and he does great. So don't tell me the Chicago Bears don't have weapons and they don't have an offense because they are missing a quarterback. And whenever Mitch Trubisky specifically is under center, the play calling suffers because they can't call every, they can't call routes that go everywhere on the field. They can only work in the short and sometimes intermediate game. They can't do it. They they just can't. They don't have dynamic a, a dynamic quarterback. Uh, I think the best comparison for the Bears this season would be the Jaguars last year, who were trying to squeeze out a defensive team in that specific window. They were trying to squeeze it out with Blake friggin' Bortles. And that's what the Bears are trying to do here. Because the defense, the defense for the Bears, it's still playing very well. It really is. It's They're, they're still playing well. And that that's, that's what's really sad is that the defense is trying its heart out and the offense just can't. There's no margin for error for the defense. They have to play perfect. And they, first of all, they won't ever play perfect. Sometimes they'll have a good game, but they can't play perfect forever. They can't play perfect for 60 minutes. It's not going to happen. And when it doesn't happen, eventually, when it does not happen, the Bears' offense can't help out their own defense because they have Mitchell Trubisky, at quarterback. That is the biggest reason why. You know, if the Bears really want to save this season, I think they got to make a trade for a starting quarterback. Now, I know, I know, it's it's kind of kind of ridiculous to say, but we've seen mediocre mediocre quarterbacks win win Super Bowls. Take for example Trent Dilfer with the 2000 Ravens and that was a, a great great defense and they didn't need a great quarterback because the defense covered up everything. Let's take Peyton Manning uh, in in the final final Super Bowl run in Super Bowl 50. Uh, I know it's sacrilege to say Peyton, Peyton Manning was a bad quarterback. 
or a, a mediocre quarterback at some point. But hey, his last, his final year in the NFL, he looked cooked, and he 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 played like a vegetable, and he still won a Super Bowl with that team with that amazing defense. If uh, if if the Bears want to save this season because they are in last place in their division and the North is an absolute bloodbath. Does anybody want to play the Lions this year? They're competitive. Vikings are starting to turn it around. Green Bay looks unstoppable. They still have Aaron Rodgers. And they have a defense this year. And an actual offensively-minded coach. How, how are they going to respond? And I think... Again, I think the answer is a quarterback uh, trade. So, because I have, because we, I, I have given examples on some mediocre quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls. Let me list my top three guys that I have favored to go to a Super Bowl, who I think can lead this team to a Super Bowl right now. Number one, I think I think the Bears should be calling about Andy Dalton every single hour today. Uh, today is the trade deadline. I think they should be calling about Andy Dalton nonstop. They need to call about Andy Dalton. He is a better decision maker than Mitchell Trubisky. He is more accurate in uh, he is more accurate than Mitchell Trubisky in the short and intermediate uh, in short and intermediate throwing as well as he can throw deep. He doesn't usually throw deep, but he can. And he has superior pocket presence to Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky, when his first read is gone, he tries to run. And he's not an amazing athlete. He's above average for a white quarterback, but still, he's he's relatively slow. Now, Andy Dalton is a lot slower than Trubisky, but hey... That means he hangs in the pocket more. That means he's played his entire career in the pocket more, and he knows to go through his reads. That means Andy Dalton is just a better quarterback. Look, Andy Dalton is the definition of mediocre quarterback. I don't think I don't think Trubisky is even that. I think he he may very well be the worst starter right now in the NFL. Number two is Marcus Mariota. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if this will... I don't think this will happen. I don't think the Bears have enough firepower or enough draft capital to go for Marcus Mariota. Maybe they trade, like, a Tariq Cohen for him. And, like, I don't know, a third-round pick or so. But Marcus Mariota just got benched in Tennessee. Uh, I talked about it. I talked about it last week. Uh, after he did get benched, and Brian Tannehill came in for him, and he did really well. Uh, so, again, Marcus Mariota just got benched in Tennessee. It looks like they're not going to go back to him. Mar- Marcus Mariota is also a much, much better athlete than, uh, than Mitchell Trubisky. I think Marcus Mariota runs like a 4-5, 4-5, 40-yard dash, which is really quick, especially for quarterbacks. Um, also... He has been, 
he's more accurate in the short game, though he is still inconsistent when trying to be aggressive. And that that was my biggest problem with Trubisky uh, in Tennessee. He was never aggressive. He was never aggressive. He had just a fine arm. His arm was just eh. His arm was just meh. And he he insist he insisted on throwing multiple checkdowns every single game. So so I don't I don't know if Marcus Mariota can really lead this team to a Super Bowl, but it's looking like he probably can. Because he's better than Mitch. He's more accurate than Mitch, and he's a much, much better athlete than Mitch. So I th- so there you go. That's that's my second. Here's my last one. Uh, the again, these are all these are all trades I think could realistically happen. Uh, I've I've heard I've heard oh Bears should trade for Cam Newton because Kyle Allen is playing like a starter, and Cam Newton is perpetually hurt, and his arm looks shot. Last time we saw it, and I I would I would disagree with that one. Not not because of the trade itself. I, I would actually love Cam Newton to the Bears. Here's my problem with it. Uh, I don't. Do you really think Carolina is going to give up their franchise quarterback? I don't think that would happen. But here's a here's the last one that I do think could happen, which is actually Case Keenum, quarterback for the Washington Redskins, that I think could get traded for by Chicago. Uh, so his status is unsure at the moment. He left the Vikings game last Monday with a head injury. Uh, I believe it was either a concussion or so- something like that. And he he was out for the day, but he will. He, his status is just unclear right now on whether he is benched or not, and whether the Washington Redskins are going to put in uh, rookie Dwayne Haskins in at starter. And to be honest with you, I have no clue at all whether he will or not. Um, I, I think I think he, I have a feeling he will be benched, and if he does, I think um, I think Chicago should trade for him. We saw what he could do in Minnesota when he actually had weapons, and what he's done in Washington when he's had Terry McLaurin. Because Terry McLaurin is another breakout wide receiver that's, who's playing amazing. And he's running routes really well, really well and just all that jazz. It, Case Keenum had, had a weapon in him, and he used him very well. And uh, he, he's good. He's excellent with great personnel around him. And what that means is, Go back to his Viking season in 2017 when he had Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, and a running game with Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. It was Jarek McKinnon, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. When he had those guys, uh, notice I'm not listing Kyle Rudolph. Uh, when he had those guys, he played great even though the offensive line was pretty garbage there still, um, which I don't think the Bears' offensive line is garbage. I think their line is just fine. I like their center, James Daniels. But I think Case Keenum could really flourish 
with Chicago, especially with a defense to back him up. When that defense is still elite, man, it may not look as elite because they have to carry the game now, but with Case Keenum at quarterback, I don't know. I think I think the Bears would be a lot better off Case Keenum as well. Uh, one knock against Case Keenum, though, is he does have a really weak arm. It, it, I mean, that arm is pretty much the, the cutoff point for an NFL quarterback. It is not... It's not a great arm. He it's a he throws floaters every play, but yeah, he he is more accurate though than Mitchell Trubisky in in short and intermediate uh, passing games as well. So to conclude to conclude this little segment, uh, I think it's time to move on from Mitchell Trubisky for the Chicago Bears. Uh, I think his time is pretty much done. Uh, if if the Bears don't bench him immediately for Chase Daniel and just commit to him from there, I think they really need to trade for a quarterback to save this season. And I think the three guys I just listed are great candidates for that. And I really hope that they do because I feel really bad for the Bears. They just lost to the friggin' Chargers. It's not looking good for Chicago right now. They are spiraling out of control. And they need to make they need to make something happen to save this season. All right, guys, I've been talking in your I've been tickling your ear holes for the past forty or so minutes. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and end this segment. I will I will be back. Um, I will I will definitely be back in a couple of minutes to um, rant some more about football. Again, we have an extra we have an extra hour to do now. And I'm really excited that we do. So I will be back uh, probably. Let me check. Give me a second, guys. Okay, so I have about 20 or so minutes left in my class period. Um, I think I'll come back later in the day. I'll wait to give you guys news on the NFL trade deadline. Uh, it, it's looking like left tackle, uh, left tackle Williams. Uh, Trent Williams for the Washington Redskins, an all-pro tackle. It's looking like he's going to be traded. Uh, we have no idea where. Uh, also, Michael Bennett got traded from Patriots to the Cowboys. Uh, I think that's a good move. He's a good. He's, he can play anywhere on that line. Uh, I'll, be, I'll give you guys some quick takes uh, on on the trades that on the trades that have happened so far before the deadline. And then I'll, I'll go to break, and then I'll come back, um, and then we'll finish the show. But, uh, yeah, what trades have happened so far? Uh, Mohamed Sanu to the Pats. He's, an, he's a fine role player. He's an all right piece to their offense, but I don't think he's going to— he's not a world changer at wide receiver for the New England Patriots, and I think them releasing— Josh Gordon, uh, uh, wide receiver for the um, wide receiver for the New England Patriots is a huge mistake. I think it's a huge, huge mistake. Uh, also, there there was Emmanuel Sanders to the San Francisco 49ers from 
the Denver Broncos in exchange for some like low and mid round picks. I don't have the trades in front of me right now, so that's what I don't particularly remember. But uh, I think that was a great trade for all sides in that situation. Uh, I think Emmanuel Sanders is a great route runner and a good possession receiver, and I think he can still play, even though he's 32. Uh, they Niners don't need him for that long, and they just got a number one receiver in a wide receiving core that needed one. Uh, Niners are scary, man. Niners are really scary. That was a really good trade for the Niners. Uh, next one we got to talk about is Michael Bennett to the Cowboys in exchange for a seventh-round pick. Or I, I believe a seventh round pick next year. I do know I do know the compensation for this trade specifically because I'm a huge Cowboys fan and I just saw his trade for him, and I'm really excited about this particular this particular one. Uh, Michael Bennett is a former um, defensive lineman for the Philadelphia Eagles, New England Patriots, and most famously with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I don't particularly like his character that much, but he is a really good football player. He he can play anywhere on that on that line. He can play as a pass rusher, as a defensive tackle, and a great run stopper uh, at edge rusher. And I really like this fit here with the Cowboys. We just lost our own version of Michael Bennett in uh, Tyrone Crawford, uh, who was a really good. He, he was just a great defensive lineman. Period. He he could stop the run pretty much anywhere, and he could pass rush. Uh, at a relatively high level, pretty much anywhere on that line, he is out for the year, and we we answer by replacing him with uh, Michael Bennett for one year, and I think Michael Bennett is pretty much a better version of Tyrone Crawford anyway. And uh, as a Cowboys fan, I'm really excited about that trade. I think we were one depth piece away from actually competing, and I think Michael Bennett is that is that depth piece, and. I'm just really happy. I'm happy we got him. Um, let's go to the final one that I know of so far, and that is interior defensive lineman Leonard Williams from the New York Jets. Uh, he will be pretty much going nowhere as he was just traded to the New York Giants. Uh, what are the Giants doing? Are you kidding me? Like, what is what is general manager J- Dave Gettleman doing? Really? What is he what is he out of his mind? I think he tra- I believe he traded um a third rounder and a fifth rounder something like that. It was there was like two two mid-round picks. I don't know what he's doing. I really don't know what Dave Gettleman is doing. Uh, it's not that it's not that I hate Leonard Williams the player. I think he's a really good run stopper and he can and he can contribute uh, on certain downs as a pass rusher. I don't think he's that great as a pass rusher, but I do think he's really good at, at run stopping. I don't understand why why the, why the Giants got him, however, because he will be joining a defense because they don't run a four three uh, defensive front anymore. They run a three four. And what that means is that instead of having uh, four defensive linemen on the line at all times, all about uh, the edge rushers are about uh, 240 to 270, and the interior defensive linemen are about 
290 and up. Instead, they have three interior defensive linemen with the linebacker with two linebackers on either edge as, as edge rushers. And uh, Leonard Williams coming in from a 3-4 scheme. However, uh, the Giants are playing a 3-4 scheme as well, but let's list on some of the players that they have there. They just invested a first-round pick into nose tackle Dexter Lawrence, who's actually pretty good. He's a good run stopper, and he's, an, he's okay at rushing the passer. He's just fine. They have... Um, they have B.J. Hill, a fourth rounder last year, and he's good. He ended up being pretty good at stopping the run, so he does his job as as another interior defensive lineman. And you also have 2017 second round pick Dalvin Tomlinson, who was great at run stopping, but couldn't really rush the passer. So now you bring in Leonard Williams, and what's he going to do? First of all, you already have three guys who can run stop very well, which is what Leonard Williams does well. But here's the problem. Leonard Williams doesn't rush the passer that great. And that's what the Giants need. But they aren't getting that. That's not what you're getting in Leonard Williams. You're getting a great run stopper in Leonard Williams. But you already have three good run stoppers, so you basically just gave up two mid-round picks for nothing for for a slight upgrade. And that and that really makes me angry because I don't value the running game in the modern NFL. I don't value it value it as highly as others do because running backs are so incredibly replaceable, and you can get that production pretty much anywhere. I mean, come on. There, there are, there are better run stoppers in the in this league. That well, there are good run stoppers in this league that you can find off on, off of mid round to even undrafted free agents that you can just pick up off the street and can play the run well. You you take Al Woods in uh, Seattle. He, he's a good run stopper. They picked him up for nothing. The Seahawks picked him up for nothing, and he's a, and he's a great run stopper. You take Tyler Davidson in in Atlanta. Uh, while that entire defense is playing incredibly garbage, Tyler Davidson is a free agent from the New Orleans Saints who is really good at stopping the run, and he's still stopping the run very well. He can still do it. And they picked him up for pretty much nothing, and that's and Tyler Davidson only does his job slightly worse than Leonard Williams for the Giants now. And Leonard Williams himself does not rush the passer that great. So what's he, what are you going to do? Why did you make this move? This is, there was no reason for this at all. There was absolutely no reason for it. It's just... I don't know what general that general manager is doing for the Giants. General manager Dave Gettleman. Uh, he did. It seems like he hit on quarterback Daniel Jones. I was extremely sus- suspicious of that pick. I did not trust that pick at all. I thought that pick was not good at all. Not good.
Uh, turns out Daniel Jones is playing all right. But he, the rest of his drafts have been almost garbage. He's only drafted two good players, two decent players in uh, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, he's still a running back. When they played the Cardinals last week, Chase Edmonds, running back for the Arizona Cardinals, looked better that specific day than Saquon Barkley. And Saquon Barkley, running back for the Giants, was taken with the second overall pick over, you know, five quarterbacks. I mean, come on. What is he doing? And just for the record, Dexter Lawrence, their nose tackle that they just drafted, who who I just mentioned is great against the run and is fine, is just okay at pass rushing, they had that type of guy in Damon Snacks Harrison, interior defensive lineman now for... Uh, now for the Lions, they traded him away and replaced him with a first-round pick. And they had him in the first place, and he wasn't a locker room problem. He was actually well-liked in that locker room. So they traded him away for a pack of peanuts, and they replaced him with a Ferrari. Except that Ferrari is a lemon, and you got you overpaid for it. And it pretty much does the exact same job that Snacks Harrison did. Would and you're replacing that with Dexter Lawrence. And now you're bringing in Leonard Williams, who does pretty much the same job. It's just an idiotic move for the Giants. Uh, I don't look. Leonard Williams is a good player, but he's not. He's not, he's just not a great pass rusher. And he's not, and he's really good against the run, but that's it. And he hasn't even been playing that great this year. So, now that's, those are my thoughts. Those are my thoughts. Um, I will be back later um, in a couple of minutes for you guys, but later in the day for me. Uh, I will notify all of you on any trades that have gone down uh, throughout the day. And um, I will hopefully have time to talk about backup quarterbacks, which I'm quite passionate about, especially this year. So that's it for me for now. Uh, I will be back in a couple of minutes for you guys. Uh, I will be back to talk about more NFL trades, if any have gone down, and talk about backup quarterbacks this year. So thank you all so much for listening. I will be back in just a few. KMIH Mercer Island, 88.9 The Bridge. Hello, my name is Marco Marchetta, and you can hear more of this voice every Friday at 12.30, where I do my show, Movies with Marco, where I review movies, talk about trailers, and all things movies, so your weekend can be a little more exciting.
Welcome back to my film room. I am your host, Andrew Pearson. Um, back here on 88.9 The Bridge, the show where we teach you uh, how to be a more astute, active, and appreciative football fan. Uh, I was going to start this segment with backup quarterbacks and just kind of go on from there and go on from the trade deadline. However, I have a guest today. Um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Harry Gollin. I'm a football fan, specifically of the Washington Redskins, unfortunately. And Andrew has brought me in here, especially because his team, the Cowboys, are a buyer at the deadline. And my team is most certainly a seller. Yes, of course. So, uh, I was go again, as I said, I was going to talk uh, backup quarterbacks and who exactly I like and all that jazz. But um, we we've had some interesting... Uh, trades here at the trade deadline yeah, and some interesting news now while this show it, it definitely has a vendetta against headlines that's the opposite of what I want my show to be uh, I'll, I'll take a, a minor exception today to talk about the trade deadline uh, I believe it is 4pm eastern that's, that's, that is the trade deadline uh, I don't know what that is over here uh, it'll be 1pm okay so it already passed and uh, why don't you pull up your phone, yeah, and we can list and we can list all the stuff that has happened today. All right, so, um, <laughs> here right. we go. I got the CBS News tracker, boys. All right, all right. So, um, okay. So for one, it's not really a trade, but Trent Williams ended his holdout. Oh, really? It's a big deal. Um. Him coming back to the team and them not trading, that was boneheaded to not at least field offers because they like started fielding offers two days before the trade deadline ended, which was ridiculous. Um, that was just boneheaded. I don't know what to say. I That's just classic ineptitude from the organization uh, that you kind of get used to on a certain level. But it's really disappointing to see that he's a really good, talented player who could you know help us get, in re get a real offense around uh, Dwayne Haskins and... That's just been wasted, so he's probably going to depreciate in value by the time we trade him in the offseason. So, but now he's back, so we'll have a better offensive line for this wasted season for the second half of the season. Yeah, that's really interesting. I was not expecting Trent Williams to return. I was expecting him to continue his holdout and for him to be traded today, but it looks like that's not happening. Um, I'm not really sure why. Uh, he said he hates the team and he doesn't want to show up ever again. I mean, I respect that. They're, they're a very hateable team. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I was not expecting that. That's um, that's actually surprising. It's I was a little bit of a reversal. I don't know why he did that, honestly. That, that seems odd because, yeah, you're right. He was very he was very clear. You know, the, the medical staff mishandled my injuries. Um I hate the team. All these very justifiable things. I mean, the Redskins, their injury history of the past few seasons, you can see where he has complaints about that medical staff. But um, he was very clear about his problems and how he wasn't going back. So it's a, it's a definitely an odd reversal. Yeah, definitely. And you, you, we've had other other former Redskins players, such as Sue Cravens, also complain about that medical, medical staff and their ineptitude and just how poorly run a franchise the the Washington Redskins are. I've gone into how the Redskins are a dumpster fire yeah, in this yeah. show before. Um, but yeah, uh, very surprising uh, end of a holdout. Uh, in other news, uh, Jet safe, Jet strong safety Jamal Adams, who was ex who was expected to be shopped today uh, on the trade deadline, ends up staying in New York. Uh, he was he's an excellent player. 
Mm. He he play he plays he can play on the box he can play on the edge he can play strong safety he's he's got great range he's great in zone coverage he can play that high middle safety in a cover three scheme he can really do it all on top of all that he's a great leader and uh, the Jets should should feel lucky that that he is still in the building yeah but I think also on the other hand. Um, Perhaps, and I'm saying this as someone who is, you know, a Redskins fan, and I'm looking at the future, all about the rebuild. But um, maybe it's a good thing because the Cowboys, your team, they were the big yeah. ones going in, and they were offering a lot. And they apparently they were offering a boatload of picks, including their first rounder. And it feels like if this Cowboys team doesn't win the Super Bowl or isn't really that competitive, they might have dodged a bit of a bullet because that first round pick is still there for them, right? So that's important. Um, but I do think that you know it's. Kind of strange that they held on to Jamal Adams. I mean, they were shopping Le'Veon Bell too, weren't they? So uh, I believe so. Le'Veon Bell was rumored to be uh, on the trading block here here today. Uh, he obviously did not go anywhere, and he will still be on the awful, awful Jets. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I guess maybe they're they're betting on Sam Darnold coming out next season playing like uh, Drew Brees or something, and that would make the team a lot better. But it seems like they're kind of oddly pulling their punches at the trade deadline. I'm much like the Redskins in that way of just refusing to trade good players when they have the chance. Yeah, and and I was expect I was definitely expecting the Jets to actually go ahead and do something. They again they traded Leonard Williams, which I talked about on the show earlier today, uh, that he will not be going anywhere. Uh, somebody who's also not going anywhere that I was hoping would be traded today was uh, quarterback Andy Dalton of of, ah, the Cin- yeah. of the Cincinnati Bengals. I was hoping uh, he, or at least some other quarterback, would just be mercifully shipped to the Bears. Mm. Uh, nobody uh, taken by the Bears today. Uh, I find that a little surprising. Uh, on further note, on Andy Dalton specifically, he just got benched for Ryan Finley they as well. Benched. I mean... Right there, I like the Bears. I watched them last season. I, I'm really excited. I like Khalil Mack a lot, and I really like defense-first teams, uh, which is one of the reasons the Redskins season has been at least a little bit more watchable for me is the defense has actually been pretty solid. But I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of a Trubisky sympathist, but they needed to pick someone up. I mean, it feels like even if that... It feels like someone could have either turned their season around or given them some rather some you know some more options because Trubisky... He's going to have to figure it out really, really fast, or he's not the answer. I think he's already not the answer. I mean, he's never going to be Aaron Rodgers. He's never going to be worth that number two pick they spent on. He's never going to be that. But I think once you adjust your expectations, like, you know, last week, he got them into the field position for the field goal. And you could say, oh, well, if he had played better, well, they wouldn't have needed that field goal. And sure, I concede that, but they're the Bears. They never have good quarterbacks. So, (laughs) you know... it feels like Trubisky has gone from last season being enough to this season very clearly not being enough, and that being a huge problem for the team. Yeah, definitely. And I was, re- again, I was really hoping the Bears would actually pick somebody up because uh, Trubisky has just been killing drives and yeah. just has not looked accurate at all. Uh, kind of disappointing. Kind of destroys my segment earlier today, but that <laughs> is besides the point. Uh, and further news, keep to leap to the uh, yes, yeah, so keep to leap to the Dolphins for some odd no, no. reason. Well, it's it's clearly in line with the Rams' strategy of just completely abandoning the draft, which I will say is a bit uh, Joe Gibbsian, you know, in that idea that I want veterans, I want guys who can prove they can play in the NFL for my Super Bowl contender, and I'm not going to build through the draft. 
similarly, the Rams, as you well know, have kind of abandoned the draft. And so I guess because, you know, they sent a fifth-round pick. So essentially Miami's taking on Tlaib's salary for a fifth-round pick. So good move for Miami. I mean, as a rebuilding team, you want as many draft picks as you can get. But Yeah, but here's the, here's the problem with it, though. Akeem Tlaib is on IR, and he and he's not eligible to come off it until week 16. And he's on. He's only got like a year or two left on his deal. I guess they're just gonna keep and like to, they're just gonna eat the salary. I think that's because they want to pay Jalen Ramsey. They're gonna pay Jalen Ramsey. I think is what they want. Yeah, uh, you don't you don't trade two first round picks for for a corner to just not pay him at all. But yeah. uh, I am a, I am highly concerned with the Rams, especially going mm-hmm. forward. Uh, I think about 60% of the cap space of the Rams' cap space right now is getting taken up by Jared Goff, Oof. Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, Aaron Donald, uh, Jalen Ramsey when they do pay him, Andrew Whitworth, uh, uh, the right tackle, Rob Havenstein, mm-hmm. and they just ate a keep to leaves a salary, but I think they're... No, wait, no. They, didn't they sign John Johnson this this offseason as well? I think they did, yeah. yeah. So that that is eight guys out of a 53-man roster that, that are most likely going to take up over 60% of your salary cap, and your, off, and your offensive line is playing like garbage, and Ooh, you have yeah. major concerns on the linebacking core, and you have major concerns um, uh, with a third corner. You do have nickel corner Nikel Roby Coleman, and you do have Jalen Ramsey, but you need another outside corner. And the the Rams are just playing with fire right now. And they don't have a first-round pick for the next couple of years to replace that struggling linebacking core. I got to be honest here. Even as someone who likes Trubisky and will defend Trubisky, I don't like Jared Goff. And I think they're going to pay him. They're going to pay, speaking of Ramsey, they're going to pay Ramsey. But I don't think you can win a Super Bowl with Jared Goff as your quarterback. Well, uh, I, w- I would go on the contrary. I think there are a lot of, of quarterbacks like Jared Goff who have won Super Bowls. Has Alex Smith won a Super Bowl? No, he has not. And so uh, that's what I'm saying is that, like, say what you will. And maybe now I am probably a little biased against Jared Goff, but I was a Bears fan. Like, I, I kind of jumped on that Bears bandwagon because I like their defense. And I saw them play the Rams, and everyone's like, oh, it's going to be a good game, but the Rams are going to edge it out because they have the offense the Bears don't. And Vic Fangio and that Bears defense destroyed the Rams. And Jared Goff was never the same after that one game where he's like, you know, is he an MVP? Is it going to be him or Gurley? And then it's not. It's not. He is just his MVP campaign gone. And then the thing about it is it gets even worse because in the Super Bowl, the Patriots execute a very similar game plan. It's not that different of a game plan from what the Bears executed, and it works again. So on a certain level, if you can just scheme your quarterback out of an entire game, is that a quarterback you can win with? Yeah, well, I think a lot of that also falls on how many teams are starting to realize and scheme up against Sean McVay's you know, entire philosophy that's outside zone, inside zone, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play-action shot, Keep keep doing that for the whole game. They a lot of teams, a lot of defenses this year have just built have just built their schemes to stop the play action pass, mm-hmm. which has forced which has forced Jared Goff to actually take normal dropbacks. Yes, yes. And he has not been as strong this year on those normal dropbacks. Uh, he's he's always been excellent off the play action, and that that's really been hurting 
Jared Goff this season, especially I think it showed most against the Niners, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. also this week he just has not looked that great. You know, speaking of the NFC West and especially of the Niners, you uh, you brought up an interesting thing about how McVay's scheme has been much more revealed and how Jared Goff, the system quarterback, was not able to really do it outside of the system. And Jimmy Garoppolo, kind of a system quarterback, like a little bit. And what happens, you know, next season? Could Kyle Shan, could the 49ers be bound for a bit of regression if Garoppolo in, you know, that uh, Shanahan scheme gets schemed out and he has to do it all himself? Well, here's the thing about Shanahan. Here's the thing about Shanahan's scheme, though. That scheme has been around since the 90s, and it's been mostly mostly the same. It's basically been outside zone to to set up the play action, play action, play action uh, shots to get down the field. You can also bring a tight end across the screen during that play action to get an easy dump off. And there's also throwback screens where the tight end will run to one side of the field and then just run up instead of instead of just faking to one side and that and that's really hard for defenses to scheme for especially because they all look the same it's not exactly like Sean McVay's system where not all of those runs look the same and I I don't disagree with you there yeah and and that system not only is an extremely effective system it's also been around since the 90s, so it, and it's extremely hard to stop. So I don't really think Garoppolo is in danger of regression because of scheme and and defensive learning how to deal with him. Because I think Garoppolo could be really good, especially when you watch him. He has an extremely quick release of the football. That's true. That's- he, has, he has one of the fastest releases I've seen in a long time. I think it's comparable to Tom Brady. He, has, he just gets it off like that. It's so incredibly quick. Quick, he he has saved interceptions for himself by just throwing the ball before the linebackers could get there. So, I I think Garoppolo could could be incredibly special. I, he's been very hot and cold this year. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I think you're right. I think I think that the way I characterized it, which was that you know with the Rams, which just they kind of fell back to earth. Yeah, I think you're right that Shanahan's scheme will not be like that. It's not going to be like flipping off a switch, but I think it's going to be like, um, you know, if Garoppolo is cold, if he's on one of those cold games, if he doesn't figure it out how to play that way consistently, that hot way consistently, then if he's having a cold game, that could be a real problem for them if then defenses start scheming more aggressively to take away, you know, dropping linebackers very aggressively into coverage um, to try and take away quick, uh, quick snap throws and forcing him to make long-term decisions in the pocket. So, yes, I think you're right that it will not be like the Rams collapse in terms of utter inability to consistently perform as they did last year. But I still think that there will be some regression in the Niners. Absolutely. And um, one one more, uh, I think we have time for one little more segment. We only have a couple minutes left here today. Uh, let's let's look. Let's look. Uh, again, I, I, I hate reading headlines and I hate just <laughs> elaborating on them. Bruce Harris Jr. did not get traded. Which oh, that's right. He was being shopped, which they should have traded him. I mean, like, yeah. that's a defense that they Von Miller needs to go, Bradley Chubb needs to go, Chris Harris Jr. needs I don't, to go. I don't necessarily want Von Miller to go because he's the heart and soul of that defense. And I, and I, think, he still has, I think he still has two or three more years of the oh, elite. Oh, no, I'm not saying Von Miller won't be good. I'm saying... I mean, can you look me in the eye and say that's Von Miller's defense anymore? Like, that's a team that's going to need Von Miller because they're that close? I mean, that, that's the thing is that, like, the last time they won a Super Bowl 
with the ghost of Peyton Manning at quarterback. <laughs> it was a pretty impressive defensive run, but it's not the same defense anymore, you know? And so I think you make a very fair point that they're going to be trading. This is not a washed-up Von Miller they would be trading, but I still think they should have blown up that defense because, like, imagine the draft picks you could get for Bradley, uh, Bradley Chubb Vaughn Miller and Chris Harris Jr. Right. Well, I don't. I don't think you trade Chubb because you just took him in the first round two years ago, and Maybe he's not and, Chubb. He, and he's look and he's looked amazing. Vaughn Miller is still Vaughn Miller. Uh, Chris Harris Jr. Um, I probably would trade because he's a slot corner. And, I, you're and, right. You're right about yeah. Chubb. Yeah. But yeah. I, I stand by the other two though. Yeah. All right. Well, unfortunately, folks, that does seem to conclude our program here today. Thank you so much for Harry for showing up today and uh, helping me out with this last little segment. Uh, I don't know what I will be doing uh, to or next week, but Studs and Duds will hopefully hopefully be back with an extra thirty minutes now for the rest of the program, as well as I will be doing another breakdown on somebody else. So, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, it, it's really been a blast to to record for you guys. And I couldn't be doing anything happier. So thank you guys so much. I love you all. Have a great day.